That work-life balance, I think, when you ask like what is going to attract people, it's gonna, it has to be that. You know, we have to be able to give people the opportunity to say uncle when they've had enough. You're listening to Bridge the Gap Season 5, a podcast dedicated to informing, educating, and influencing the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by sponsors AccuShield, Connected Living, Hamilton Captel, Inquire, One Day, LTC REIT, It's Never Too Late, Meridian Capital Group, Salinity, The Bridge Group Construction, and produced by Salinity Marketing. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas. We are in Dallas, Texas, meeting with great thought leaders, and we have an awesome guest on the program today. We have Katie Churchill. She's an executive senior living recruiter with full spectrum staffing. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you again. You <laughs> yeah. came out to our party last night and we had a great time yep. and we've had a great time to catch up. You've been following Bridge Your Gap for a little while and you've connected with us and I love your background. I love the, the background of when people are really dedicated to older adults, senior living. Um, and it's really interesting to see and hear your story, which our guests are about, our listeners are about to hear, where you have been on the provider operator side and you've taken all that knowledge now to help them with their biggest challenge, which is labor <laughs> um, and, and staffing. So you're young already, but you got a very early start. I did. What was your first experience with senior housing? Um, so I was actually 12 years old and part of this group called the National Charity League in my hometown in Palos Verdes. And I was able to call bingo. And I'm like, hey, you hiring? Like, I just loved it. I knew forever then I was going to work in senior living. So went to school in Chico, California, Chico State, and studied health administration and gerontology. Okay. So I was one of seven people in the gerontology degree major, which, I mean, now they don't even have it anymore, which really makes me sad because, you know, not a lot of people want to study aging. But I just knew I wanted senior living, you know. Uh, did my internships and was actually a life enrichment director for two communities in Chico while I was going to school and just loved it. Love, I love everything about senior living. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, you know, there may be buried in that story a little tip for recruiting. I mean, so many of our operators are looking for creative ways to attract labor force and you don't often hear of them getting 12 year olds <laughs> to call bingo but if we can just maybe expose more often intentionally the younger generation maybe there's something there i mean i think so i mean a lot of communities and companies are starting to do a lot more like intergenerational activities and programs and i think just allowing younger kids or even younger adults to really see what senior living is like now versus what it was like 30 years ago. I mean, it's night and day. Senior living wasn't a thing 30 years ago, mm -hmm. right? It was just nursing homes, mm -hmm. you know? So now we've got senior living and there's so many different opportunities to work in senior living, whether that be sales, maintenance, um, acquisitions, real estate, you know, there's just so many different avenues that you can work in senior living and still make that difference every day. So, well, so you have such a cool perspective because, um, coming through the ranks of working for operators in the communities. Mm -hmm. Now you get to see more, I guess, globally would be the term, how a lot of different operators are, not only the the, the challenges they're facing, but how they're, the, the innovative ways that they're attacking those challenges and overcoming those challenges. So when you're looking at things going on in the labor market right now, which is a big 
challenge. Let's let's Huge admit topic. it. Yeah. But what are some of the interesting things that you're seeing emerge as far as strategy uh, to kind of overcome some of those staffing issues? Sure. And so full spectrum, we actually don't do frontline staffing. So, you know, caregivers, servers, med techs, that's just something that we don't do. I've seen a lot of our clients, though, really put an emphasis on job fairs, right? Getting in person with people rather than hoping somebody applies via Indeed or, you know, walks in with a resume, you know, so they're really starting to get more creative with where they're doing the job fairs, you know, whether that be at college campuses or malls or, you know, really anywhere that they're trying to just attract other talent to come in. Operators are getting really flexible with scheduling, right? A lot of people want part-time or four-hour shifts or 12-hour shifts, or I want to work three three twelves and then have the rest of, you know, so operators are starting to get more flexible with how they do their staffing models and allow for frontline staff to come in at what they need, right? A lot of people need part-time only, you know, maybe they have kids or whatever it might be. So yeah, I mean, for, for EDs and regionals and C-suite members, which is who we mainly recruit for, it's more about the culture of the company, right? It's about the company where it is right now and how they value their employees, whether that be frontline, all the way to the C-suite members. And what are we doing to retain those people in those positions to grow and develop those below them to then, you know, take over my role? You know, you always hire to replace yourself. You want to hire somebody that's better than you basically to do your own job and so how are we developing those people underneath us to grow and develop and really take off in their roles so mm. so i don't know uh, if that answered your no it totally question. answered my question yes. so um so you you mentioned culture so we hear that a lot right mm -hmm. it's a mm -hmm. big time buzzword has been as long as i've been in the industry but talk to us i mean are you seeing um practical ways that uh culture is being broken down like what is really valued by team members that are looking for culture but what does that mean and from a practical standpoint what do employers need to be putting in place that are the things that attract them to that culture right I think it's doing what you actually say you're doing right a lot of times you know we say oh yeah we've got great culture here Okay, like so does everybody else apparently, but it's how you actually every single day show that example of the good culture that you have in your company. From the very beginning with Prestige, I made it known, hey, I don't want to just be a sales director or community relations director at a community. I want to be a regional. I want to be a VP. Hey, my boss was Carrie Parker. She was the VP of sales and marketing. And I said, when are you retiring? Because I want your job, you know, and so she kind of created this culture within our sales department of growth. Who here wants to be a sales specialist or a regional? And, you know, we'd all raise our hand. Okay, great. Like, this is the career path, and these are the types of things that I want to pull out those strengths for you to see if this is a good career path for you. And it was an incredible experience. I mean, she really took the time to nourish all of us to determine, okay, you're a sales director now, hone in on these skills, and then let's grow and develop you. And a couple of us actually really did become regionals that were sales directors and kind of, you know, grew up in the ranks of the company. And I think for, for that respect, when I say, you know, prestige, they have a great culture of really growing their 
their team members, they do, you know, and this is how. And I think that, you know, for culture, it is such a buzzword. It is something that everybody says they have a great culture, but it's truly how you define that and how all of your frontline team members would say, this is our good culture and this is why it is so good. Yeah. Like they really believe it too. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, as we're looking at the aging population and looking at the huge opportunity senior living has to grow, to adapt, to care for this aging population, you know, we we not only have to um, keep the talent that we already have, but we've got to attract a whole group of new <laughs> talent. So mm-hmm. what do you think um, we need to be doing Maybe we are starting to do, but what do we really need to do more of? Maybe there's new things that we need to be doing to attract a whole group that's not even here yet that needs to be in senior living. You know, I've thought about that a lot. There's a lot of programs that companies offer, um, and I can only really talk about the two that I worked for. So Kisco, they offered this career lattice program. And I always thought that that was something that was so unique where it was any frontline staff could apply for this program. And they would be able to work in different departments to determine maybe where their passion lies. Maybe they're a caregiver, but they find that their passion really is in life enrichment, right? Or wellness, I think is what Kiska called it. So they would then develop that person to spend time in wellness. And then this person, this is a true story. This person then said, hey, I want to go to college and study actually event planning, life enrichment, activity programming. I want to do this as my passion. So then, okay, great. We have a scholarship program. Here's money for you to further your education. And I think when we think about attracting top talent, for me as a person who loves to learn, pay for me to get more education. You know, I want to continuously learn. Like that to me is something that would attract the younger age group that's coming into the force or you know, even bringing people back into this, the senior living workforce. It's programs like continuous education, programs that allow you to explore a different part of the community outside of the one that you work in. You know, I feel like a lot of times people feel like it needs to be so siloed. You know, you only work in activities. Don't you dare figure out the kitchen. Work in activities, you know, and I think when operators really think about how can I retain the people that work for me and value them, that's what I think about is allowing them to explore something outside of themselves or even say, Hey, I want to be an RDO. How do I get there? Type of thing. So, well, so I'm curious also, so you, you obviously um, are professional at finding talent, right? And um, I have to boil things down to um, very simple analogies that I got growing up from like my grandparents. And he's like, (laughs) you know, if you want to catch the right kind of fish, you got to be in the right kind of fishing hole, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) so I say to you, like, where are the places that we need to be going to recruit the type of talent? Uh, You know, is that the university? Is that other verticals? Um, Is like, where are you seeing the opportunities that it's like a, a harvest where we can go to find the talent that we need? Sure. We only recruit in senior living. I'm not calling hotels and hospitality to try to flip them into senior living. I want the people that actually love senior living and have such a high passion for it that want to continue to stay in senior living to make that difference for the the operator maybe that I have the order for. And I want to find that person that isn't green 
has talent behind, has a long tenure of experience behind them, but can really push the needle with my operator or my client. And we've thought about, yeah, let's recruit from hospitality, hotel industry, colleges, and things like that. But where we are right now in senior living and getting back really out of the COVID clouds, getting back into things, seasoned people are what we're finding our operators really need to jump their buildings even higher than what they were before. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah. So uh, an opportunity when I, I want to play devil's advocate for a minute, sure. give you the opportunity to shine here. Let's see if you can do this. So <laughs> when <laughs> no I geez. hear, when I, when I hear uh, recruiting or staffing, I think, oh, maybe those, those agencies, uh, those organizations, maybe a dime a dozen. What makes you guys different? Like, give us, give us the opportunity. Like, what is, what is Katie going to do different for me? So <laughs> You know, I, we were actually talking about this earlier. Um, what we do differently is we actually get on the phones with people. <laughs> um, we call them, con- we call people constantly all day long. We're a firm that is only in senior living. It's all I know. It's all I care about. I don't care about hotels and hospitality. I care about senior living. And I think that that's what makes us a little bit more unique than like the other agencies or staffing firms. And also we're not a staffing firm. I mean, I know it's in our title, which we're probably changing the name of our company to full spectrum something else, but note no to br- marketing and branding <laughs> yeah. right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're fully yeah. aware. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so we, you know, we're not, Hey, we're going to take every single job order that's open and you know, Hey, that, that building's got 60 ED roles open. I want them all, you know, we are very purposeful in the opportunities that we recruit for. I spend probably 30 minutes to an hour on the phone with the hiring manager learning about them, you know, what kind of person they want to work, have work for them. Um, I learn about their culture, literally their culture of their company, what their expectations are. And um, we talk about the building, like if it's an ED role, we talk about the building. Tell me about the really, really good and tell me the really, really bad. I want to know everything. I look up the license, I look up the surveys, I look up everything. I want to be fully prepared when I am talking to EDs in this market or relocating an ED that I know everything about this building, the operator, and the person that's going to be hiring them to fulfill this job order. And I don't know if other firms do that. I don't know if other firms really take that time to gather all that information. And I tell the hiring manager, I'm like, hey, look, this is going to be probably a really long call. Be prepared to talk about yourself a lot. (laughs) You know, I want to know everything. Um, But I think that that really sets us apart from just every other firm out there just wanting to place a ton of candidates. You know, we're very purposeful. Well, so um, what about if if you're out there uh, as an employer and you're looking for some key, let's just say, administrator roles, what what, what is the expectation we should have uh, that you're seeing that time to actually place someone in a, in a position of leadership in a community? So from the moment um, we take the job order and begin recruiting on it, we have a typical placement time frame of about 32 days. That really is depending upon the position, how long it's been open, you know, what type of recruiting you've done on it before before we join the the team and stuff, which is all stuff that we do in the intake, right? If the position's been open for six months and you've you've tried to hire four people, probably not the job order we're going to take on because that tells us there's something wrong with the market or something 
really wrong with maybe the operator or the building itself or, you know, something. So we do a little bit more homework before we really like take on a search like that. But we want to commit to our clients that we are going to place this person. Some of our clients, we do retained dedicated searches where they're paying us up front to find that person. And we do. And it's filled and they're happy and it's great. Um, But you know, I'd say about 32 days is our average. Um, and then, you know, of course, with everybody, we hold guarantees, right? So if that person walks out, you know, we're going to replace that person for them. So, wow. Yeah. So Lucas, a complex world that yes. he operates in. Well, <laughs> so as we kind of round out the conversation, let's move to um, a, a related topic. But I, I hear these phrases, the great resignation. Oh, yes. And I also hear statistics around uh, uh, women workforce um, upwards of maybe 40% have left the workforce. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but these are obviously uh, real challenges um, in an already stressed labor market. Mm-hmm. How are you adapting to that? And Am I correct? How are you adapting to that? And what is going to change in the future to get some of these people back into the workforce? You know, I don't know if it's that they're going to come back, hmm. you know, which could be okay. You know, and I get it. You know, the past two years has definitely rocked a lot of people's worlds and it's changed their, the way that they view their own life. You know, maybe they were hustle, hustle, hustle. And now they're like, I just want to sit back and hang out with my grandkids or, you know, slow down. And I think it's also going to give operators a chance to really look internally at their travel schedules for their regionals or their VPs, right? 50 conferences. Like, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to allow people to kind of have more of that work-life balance that we didn't have before two years ago in senior living. You know, when I was a regional, and part of why I left and stopped being a regional was tra- travel. I was gone Sunday night until Friday morning mm. and had just gotten married. And my husband would call me his weekend wife. It's so horrible when I think back to it, but <laughs> he'd call me his weekend <laughs> wife. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, this isn't, it was kind of, the fun was kind of slowly going out. The candle was, was burning out. And I wanted to still love senior living, and, and I still obviously very much so do. But that work-life balance, I think, when you ask, like, what is going to attract people, it's, it has to be that. You know, we have to be able to give people the opportunity to say uncle when they've had enough. Sure. Yeah. And that's, to me, I mean, Sunday night to Friday morning, that's way out of balance. Wild. Um, Yeah. Which is actually a great opportunity, right, to, I mean, just change that somewhat because that's completely, you know, (laughs) overboard there. So it's not like okay, we've got to overhaul this uh, and change everything, and and it's going to be so challenging I mean, just, you know, make a couple of changes there. (laughs) Small ones, (laughs) small Small changes. Yeah. And then you're going to be able to attract people. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think even I was was talking to one of my friends who's a regional now and she's like, I've got three different time zones. And I'm like, what? Why? And she's like, I don't know. Like I live in California, but I've got like, you know, the West coast, I've got central. Oh yeah. By the way, now they gave me a building in Florida. And I'm like, like, that doesn't even make sense. You know, like, so I think if we also look at like a map of our communities, right, as operators, like where does it make sense to have 
these VPs of sales or those VPs of operations live, first of all, and then have them have communities that make sense, you know, and not have to travel six hours by plane to get to their buildings, right? So... Well, you're exactly right. Yeah, a lot think, of homework there. I think yeah. a lot of that's just changing the way we think about it because uh, in the past, maybe um, we as leaders, as operators, were not having a team first mentality mm. and it was just kind of like bottom line driven. And right. we weren't really, when we were thinking about acquisition of new buildings or development of new buildings and when we were getting out of our regional areas, you know, you're you're not factoring in the team that's going to support that, what does that mean for them? Right. And so just like we've talked about on several podcasts, the intentionality now that's going into even uh, design and renovation around a team centric, um, operational centric focus to where the environment for the team is at the forefront, you know, to your point now, even through the upper and, and mid level management uh, for these communities, there has to be an intentionality to thinking, you know, what's the resident experience going to be, but what is the team member experience going to be? And how do we service this community appropriately without killing our team right. and having 40% exit the workforce? So many things. Yes, we've got factors going on in the economy and the world that are beyond our control, but mm -hmm. so much that we have to take ownership of. So I agree. I think you said it beautifully. She said, I said it beautifully, Lucas. What do well, you think? Mark that. Make sure, Producer Sarah, make sure you mark that. That's, pull that uh, out as a quote to put on social so that everybody knows. Thank you. Thank you for that. Josh, I'll, I'll slip you welcome. a 20 later. Josh okay, did a good great. one. He got, he got a good one there. No, yeah. This is a great conversation. And Katie, yeah. it's great to meet you. I'm glad our audience is getting a chance to meet you. Thank you for your support of Bridge the Gap. Um, Absolutely. And following us. And uh, you know, I know our listeners are going to want to engage more in this conversation. Um, so um, go to btgvoice.com. You can download this episode, check out the transcripts, but more importantly, meet us on social um, because we'll be posting about this uh, this week as this rolls out. And this is a great conversation. It's a complicated issue that doesn't have a silver bullet, right? I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be one thing to solve this. We need everybody. We need um, everybody. Which is what Bridge mm -hmm. the Gap is all about. We're the voice of senior living and we want to hear yours. So connect with us on social and we'd love to, to hear you. So thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I'm really looking forward to Nashville. Yes. Dream. <laughs> Dream again. Wow. You, you're giving us all the goodies today. You're plugging our event and everything. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're definitely coming back on the show. Yeah, for yes. sure. So if you want to meet Katie in person, meet her in Nashville at the Dream Again VIP Ignite Experience. We'll have a link in the show notes for you. Request your invite. Thanks for listening to another great episode. Bridge the Gap. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap podcast with Josh and Lucas. Connect with the BTG network team and use your voice to influence the industry by connecting with us at btgvoice.com.